I'm Jamie. And I'm Nikisha. And this is Talking Horror with Jamie. And Nikisha. Where we share our love for spooky things and talk horror through the lens of human behavior. Welcome, guys. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Today, we are talking about the 2021 American supernatural horror film, Malignant. Woo! You've been a bad, bad boy, Gabriel. He speaks. He's broadcasting his thoughts. I thought we could help him, but I was wrong. It's time we cut out the cancer. So this was directed by our fave, James Wan. It is from a screenplay by Akela Cooper based on an original story by Juan Ingrid Bisu and Cooper. It is starring Annabelle Wallace, Maddie Hassan, George Young, Nicole Brianna White, and Jacqueline McKenzie. I think you forgot to mention that Ingrid Bisu is James Wan's wife. I did not know that. (laughs) (laughs) We're always learning something here at uh, Talking Horror. So, wow, my ignorance with my love, even with my love for James Wan, I'm learning new things every day. (laughs) Amazing things. So, obviously, we're going to be getting to everything malignant related. So, heavy, heavy, heavy spoilers ahead. If you have not watched it, it is on HBO Go currently. Watch it. Then have a listen to this podcast. Max. Please. Max. Oh, HBO Max. Why does it, oh. what's the difference between there, the Go H- and HBO the Max? Go, go no, is go no go. Go doesn't exist anymore. Go is a no go. Go, very similar to our uh, lead character, evolved into Max. <laughs> oh, HBO Gabriel. It's HBO Gabriel. <laughs> HBO Gabriel. They, they conjured oh, up boy. Gabriel. That's what. Oh. <laughs> oh. great so before we get into it are there any trigger warnings jamie that we need to be aware of as we dive into um this beautiful masterpiece of a work Mm -hmm. um there is some like allusions to domestic violence um there's some like pretty gory parts in this movie as well um some early childhood trauma um some psychiatric hospital imagery. So if any of that turns your tummy, please, uh, please, st- uh, you know, cut out the cancer. That is this movie. Oh, great line. Also <laughs> love turns your tummy. I will be using it forevermore. 
Right. But before we get into that, is there anything new? Have you watched anything? Basically just tell me that you finished Squid Game because... Oh my God. We haven't even started it. We are failing. What are you doing? But I basically know everything about it from TikTok. So I'm good. I mean, which is kind of upsetting that we get this information so quickly. Like it's great if you keep up with it, but if you're behind and haven't watched it, then you're spoiled. So literally the same thing with me. I'm not on TikTok, nothing against it, just not on it. But on Instagram, everything from TikTok is flooded into Instagram. So all of the videos, Mm -hmm. all the things, I'm seeing all these images, something with, you know, sugar and all the things. And I'm like, what is happening? What are these jokes? (laughs) But I finally watched the entirety of it in the span of two days, nine episodes, an hour each. And it's, I can't wait to talk about that with you guys at a later time, but anything else that you have watched recently? Uh, we watched evil dead too. Mm. It was my first time watching evil dead too. I'd never seen it before. Also, how many of those are there? So there's, There's the Evil Dead trilogy of films. Um, and then there is a reboot of Evil Dead. And then there was a television show um, called Ash versus the Evil Dead um, that was canceled, unfortunately. It was on Stars, which like I had to work really hard to get access to that. Um, and in my Google search right now, I just learned that they are making a new film in this chain called Evil Dead Rise, set to release in 2022. And that just makes me immediately excited again. I love Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell. Oh man, I'm pumped. On HBO Max, not HBO Gabriel. <laughs> not HBO <laughs> that's amazing i have never seen any of the evil deads i know that's also um tragic but i will it's okay no judge (laughs) it's it's a it's a good time it's a really it's a really campy horror chain um that got sam raimi his start and uh yeah and then he went on to do spider-man great stuff (laughs) wait but which spider-man the Spider-Man, Maguire? the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. That's the one. Great. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, down for that. Okay. So, oh, actually, do you guys remember a movie called The Glass House? It's yeah. more of a thriller than a horror movie, but I definitely watched that because it was on Hulu randomly. And it just reminded me because I watched it in my youth. I wanted to feel a little bit of nostalgia. So I watched that insanity of a uh, thriller. And then just, you know, when you watch something when you're younger and then you watch it again and you just really realize how bad it is. And yeah, totally. uh, <laughs> that was the moment I had watching the glass house, but I still was hmm. like, oh, the memories. I thought this was so scary and crazy. <laughs> Do you? Here's a question. I am. I feel very overwhelmed right now with the amount of like content being released in October that is spooky. Like there are so many horror movies things. that were released on horror things that have been released on Netflix that have been released on Hulu on Shutter in the movie theater. Like I don't even know like where to start. Which one like to like? I, I there's so much like those two new. Uh, those like two bigger new, I mean, Squid Game's one of them, but there are two big movies that came out on Netflix um, <clears throat> that I really want to watch. 
there's, you know, obviously like Halloween Kills is coming out um, this month. And there's like, there's just so much stuff. In addition to like, you know, VHS 4, 94, that's coming out on Shudder. There's also just like, I have a backlog of stuff on Shudder that I really want to watch. Then on top of that, like, you know, there's there's TV show like we spent a whole weekend watching Midnight Mass. Again, I would trade that for the world, but like that's seven hours of then I'm not watching other stuff. But again, <laughs> there's no need to watch anything else when you're watching Midnight Mass because it's so good. But, <laughs> yes. but you know what I mean? Like there's just so much stuff, and I want to absorb all this spooky stuff, especially during October. But like mm-hmm. there's just like this. Do you also feel this way? Am I a crazy person? Well, I do not think you are crazy. I'm sure that you're feeling... Well, first off, your feelings are valid, Brian. <laughs> and... <laughs> I'm glad I'm rubbing off on you. Absolutely. It's a great time here. <laughs> but also, I'm sure that people are, are sharing your same sentiment. But that's why you have to be spooky all season round, which is why it's great that we have this podcast, which is spooky all year round. Ayo! So hashtag, <laughs> hashtag stay spooky. <laughs> that's what you gotta do you gotta just you can't cram it all in you gotta take it in increments and then by the time you do your best hashtag hashtag doing our best do your best so nikija how do you prioritize in the month of october absolutely so i feel like because i love spooky season so much i prioritize nostalgia over newer things so i always want to watch things that put me in that i know will immediately put me in a spooky spirit as opposed to watching something new and getting disappointed if i you know don't like it mm-hmm. so i will prioritize watching my 80s 90s slasher movies you know scream is on the list the nightmare on elm streets are on the list and it's really great that especially during spooky season they release all of the older movies for you to watch mm. So I just kind of go through that. I definitely watched um, Coraline the other day. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> so good. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen that in a long time. It's so great. But I just, it puts you in the spooky spirit. You know that it's it's good and you get that feeling of nostalgia. And then all the other added stuff is just icing on top. Like Midnight Mass was all the icing and the cake and everything. But it was like the <laughs> icing on top because it was just something great added to my already spooky season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that. Jamie, how do you prioritize during this spooky season? Um, I mean, I I would say that I probably take a similar approach where I'm more inclined to rewatch the nostalgia things and the things that give me uh, my creature comforts, if you will, maybe more literally. Um, and so I will more likely seek out things that I've seen a thousand times. Um, And then like here and there, I'm like, oh, I'll check this thing out. And then either we'll be very into it or like hate it and never try another new thing ever again. Also that, because that is a thing. (laughs) Watch something and it's bad and you're just like, okay, I'm just going to have to give all these other new things like a rest for a second. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No new friends. (laughs) No new friends. (laughs) We want familiarity here, okay? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. As part of our mental state. Anxiety is already high, so. Okay, <laughs> yeah. that makes sense. Cool. <laughs> well, um, have we got a new horror movie for you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Right, so all the things. We'll get straight into it, but first we need a plot summary. What's the plot? <laughs> and I'm going to tell Jamie. <laughs> As Jamie, it's, it's not my turn, is it? I think it is. 
I feel like I've done like the last two, but when I messed we didn't have anybody, but mm. we, we like went yeah. back and forth. It was a team effort. Team, always a team effort. <laughs> I would just love to know what the plot of Malignant was from your memory <laughs> out of the house. I oh just, my God. All right. I'll do my ready? best. Yeah. Ready and malignant. Okay. So we start with the flashback where a doctor is saying that we have to cut out the cancer. Then we flash forward to the future, to the now, and we see a pregnant woman living with her abusive partner. Um, he smashes her head against a wall. And then seemingly someone breaks into their house and murders him and knocks her unconscious. And then she finds out that, um, she had a miscarriage, um, then she learns, we learn that she's adopted and her sister is her, um, is her adopted or she's the adopted sister. Um, we learn that, uh, she, that the main character was in this like psychiatric hospital. Um, she doesn't remember her childhood. She also can see these murders happening. Like she's there, but she can't like do anything. Um, so she thinks she's maybe having visions, um, and then with the help of a hypnotherapist to unlock her memories, we learn that she was hospitalized because she had a teratoma person. I'm gesturing wildly to the back of my head because it was attached to her, Gabriel. Um, so the thing that she was seeing was real because they're linked because it's in her head, but like not in her head. It's like attached to her head and it was activated when her head hit the wall. And so they share a brain. Um, and then we get like a, a wild matrix, um, where the Gabriel brain attacks people backwards and is like wildly superhuman strong. And then, uh, and then Gabriel almost murders everyone, but then the main character uses her mind tricks, his mind tricks against him. And that's it. I think. <laughs> How'd I do? Fantastic. You did it with 10 seconds left. That was great. Yeah. There you go. See? Oh, man. Okay. So uh, to give you a break a second, Jamie, we'll just ask the initial question of what were our general <laughs> thoughts on the movie? Did it work for you? Specifically, there was a lot of talk of, of mental health mm -hmm. and uh, you know, abuse with the, the marriage partners and then like trauma and repressed memories and imaginary friends, which I'll ask all of those questions to you, Jamie, in a little <laughs> bit. Uh, actually, my first question is though, is having the attachment a real thing? Like I understand when you have, <laughs> and I, and I, and I don't know, I didn't, this is just like a general question to anyone because we're not anywhere in the medical field in that sense. But it was just so interesting if I was wondering if you guys maybe like looked it up to see like how accurate that could be, because I know like in the womb or I've heard that if there are twins, like sometimes one can feed off of another one and that kills one of the twins in the womb. But I don't think I've ever seen like, and then you have like conjoined twins, like that's a thing and all this stuff, mm -hmm. but having one that is just so like, it's not even a body. It was literally like half of a face and an arm attached <laughs> to like, is that a real thing? <laughs> we know what that is. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, I would, I, I think the conjoined twins is like the closest that we will get to, um, mm-hmm. what this is. Well, cause they also, I mean, they called it a teratoma, which, yeah. which is a tumor. Um, but I guess like a tumor that can have other tissue, like mm-hmm. hair and teeth and bone. Um, but like it, because they shared a brain, I mean, at that point, I feel like, no, then it can't be a teratoma. Like, then it's a conjoined twin. Um, So, like, this was, like, a kind of a a fusion of both of these ideas, I feel like. I'm not familiar if any of this could be real, um, but my sense is no. (laughs) Um, no, At least not in the way that James Wan has, uh, you know, envisioned it here. Yeah. Absolutely. It's just an exaggeration of, you know, what actually could happen. As sure. As- okay. <laughs> <laughs> could, you know, being a very strong word in this circumstance. In, in, this, in this sense. Well, I, yeah. okay. So I just want to give like a few bullet points of my general thoughts of the movie. Mm-hmm. Because when I first started watching it, I was like, okay, I'm seeing some of James Wan isms as far as like the opening credits and some of the like fast cutting of the camera editing and and all those things. But it's literally like the first thing I put (laughs) is that this seems so bad that it becomes a cult classic because it's so bad. Mm -hmm. And once you come into the mindset of like, oh, this is like a little bit farcical, especially with all of the close-ups that were so exaggerated and so dramatic that just takes you out of it that you're like, okay, this seems like it's, it's um, treading down a specific line of horror that is not an insidious or a conjuring or, you know, it's again, all I can think of is just like very farcical and so over the top that you just have Mm -hmm. to roll with the fact that this is going to be over the top in order to enjoy it and invest in whatever the story is going to become. But I literally also thought like this feels like it, the style of filming feels like this was made back when Saw was made in 2004, just Mm -hmm. how the editing is, how the script is. And it seems like they made this back in 2004, but said, we'll just go with Saw first. (laughs) We'll hold off on Malignant until we get some, uh, some more, you know, traction with our, with our directing and writing and then put out uh, Malignant. But once I realized it, what kind of film this was going to be, I could tap into it more and not kind of, you know, be mad at the CGI or how the close-ups are and like the editing and how some of the shots are just so not put together. <laughs> but after that, it was like, okay, I'll just take it at face value. I'll say that. <laughs> how about you? <laughs> Actual face value, but back of the face. I mean, <laughs> when uh, when I was watching this movie, I think at the time I hated it. And like, it took me, I've been like thinking about it more and more. And like, I think what it was trying to do, because I didn't know what it was trying to do while I was watching it. And I think mm-hmm. it took time for me, like you said, to like figure out like, what was it trying to accomplish? And like, once mm-hmm. I got to that place which only happened after I watched the movie was I then like, okay, I think, I think that I was like thinking, and I think part of it is, you know, you, 
you come to expect certain things when you are like familiar, when you start to become familiar with a director. So like, I think what I was expecting was something different. And then it like more, uh, you know, like Satan possession, um, or even, I mean like the gore porn stuff with saw just like very different, um, compared to this, which, which does like is more campy and like outrageous. Um, and, and that just didn't, I just, my brain just couldn't comprehend it when I was watching it. It felt like when I first watched it, it, there were moments that felt very like first drafty, um, mostly like the line from (laughs) James Wan's wife, who was the, um, what was her role? She was the, she, she was the police, the crime scene person, the technician, um, where she makes the comment, uh, once all the police are like murdered, except for the two detectives. And she's like calling 911. And she's like, why am I calling 911? And I like literally lost my shit, like to Brian. <laughs> I was like, what? And I like paused it. I was like, what is hat? Like, what? am I watching? I don't understand. Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah, I was definitely like, like what it was trying to do did not land with me when I first watched it, but I've since developed an appreciation for it. Um, and it it definitely makes me want to like explore these types of films. Cause I've also been listening to a couple of their podcasts. I've been talking about it and I'm, I'm curious to like see more of, of the things that he was influenced by to make this. Um, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think that I hate it anymore. <laughs> yeah. So would you consider this to be on the camp side on purpose? Yes. And a not thousand good. percent. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't want to like spoil my suggestion too much, but I, whatever, I don't care. Um, I'll do what I want. It's my podcast. Um, but yeah. it feels closer to like dead silence, but like way like... It, in an intentional way. Cause I don't know if dead silence was like trying, or maybe it was again, I don't know. Maybe that's, that's the disconnect for me. Cause I think it's supposed to be this. And then I get this and I'm left confused, but I think that it's like definitely intentionally campy. And like, I mean, you have to like suspend a whole bunch of things in your brain to like, you know, take all of this in. Um, but I think like once you get there, it's actually pretty clever. And, and like, again, not something like I'm, I'm happy that he's coming up with ideas that like, at least the first thing in, in his like many chains that then blow up, like it is really creative. It's, it's something that you don't see too often. It's also like, you think it's going to be this one thing. And then the twist, everyone's talking about this twist. It like blows people's minds. Um, and I think once you like take that in and like realize what's happening and like lean into that and like the campiness of it, it's actually like very enjoyable. It's like really gory. Um, and, and like, it has, it's like kind of spooky moments. Um, but like, I was surprised at how gory it is. I mean, I guess I wasn't surprised about the, the gore coming from him, but it mm-hmm. is a cool concept, even mm-hmm. if where whatever you thought about it when you initially watched it like for me I was like oh well this is I like the idea of like a parasitic twin like absolutely for a horror this this works this tracks but it's yeah it's like you said like suspending all of your disbelief but you have to realize that in the moment very early on otherwise you're just taken out of it completely and by the time you hit those 
still shots with the close-ups and like the exaggerated acting as well, like truly overacting, over dramatic everything, then you're like, okay, this is where this is where it's going. And I can follow. Yeah. I can follow. I- I also gotta say that I'm not like a big, I mean, I've only seen a handful of things that um, the main actress Annabelle Wallace has been in, but she's in the Annabelle movie. And I mean, that's not a great movie, but I also just like, don't think that she's that great in that movie and not the best in this. And so I think that also made it harder. She was in the Tudors, which like, I love that show. Um, But I, it it just, she just doesn't seem very engaging. And I, I was like, is that like what this character is supposed to be? And I'm curious, like, who is this character supposed to be? Like who, like, because, because she obviously like can't remember her childhood. So that's gonna, that's gonna imprint on like your identity as a person. But like, I don't know if it's like her acting or if it's like actually this character that that isn't very like strong, like very like soft spoken and mild. And like maybe that was intentional. I don't know. But I also just don't think I like her. Also fair. (laughs) No judgments here. Uh, Brian, initial thoughts on the movie? I think the big thing for me with this movie was expectations. I know you two talked about it a little bit, but. I really did not expect what I got out of this movie. I feel like the last couple of movies that James Wan has made in the horror genre, like leaving Aquaman aside, or maybe not leaving Aquaman aside, but like the last two Conjuring movies, Insidious, like there's something very not campy about those movies they're played as like these emotional kind of they're really scary but they're played with like a lot of emotion flowing throughout that doesn't feel disingenuous um and and i just i don't know if i expected that i did not expect him to go full camp with this one and that's on me i was expecting something like truly spectacular and maybe i just like put everyone at like flanagan level now because i just love him so much but like I was just like really expecting something totally different. And it just took me a really long time to like switch my brain while watching this, literally like, like Gabriel, um, mm-hmm. switch my brain while watching this movie. <coughs> and once I did, I loved it. Um, it. But But I have to say, I don't know if I switched my brain while watching the movie. I think I switched my brain after watching it and then like, thinking back on certain things, how much I more I would have enjoyed it. If I, if I didn't know James, if I just knew this was like a, a, a horror movie on HBO, Gabriel, like, I don't think that I would like have thought twice about what kind of a movie I'm trying to get here. But because James Wan's name was attached to it, I definitely had expectations because it also wasn't that scary. It was a lot, it was very, it was like, I never know jump scares, not his usual thing that like, and, and a lot of the scary parts that could be scary were kind of in the trailer also. So that also didn't affect me there. Um, but that twist, man, whoo, that like Jamie and I had started to put it together, but like, we were like missing pieces of it. You know what I mean? Like it was just so out there that we were like, we just like couldn't get all of it, but we got a lot of it. But man, that twist was wild. Like all that stuff was wild. And then I ended up reading an interview with James Wan after the fact where he was basically saying like, 
I read this script and this, I just like, I'd never seen a bad guy like this before. The twist was wild. The bad guy. And I, I wanted to see if I could do it. Like I wanted to see if like I could make sense of this. Um, and, uh, and like, it felt like a challenge, you know, in a, in a way, like it felt like he was actually trying to challenge himself. Um, and man, this movie is wild and wacky and that twist is wild. And so I, I, I enjoyed it, but I, I really had to, really had to readjust my expectations big time. Yeah. And I think it's with the expectation of the trailer, you don't get any sense of camp. You're just like, okay, totally. yeah. here we are. You know, this, this is what we're getting from James Wan, especially because like you said, Brian, the last couple of movies, it's, it's not been that way. So the, the expectation was set up and the trailer, you know, kind of solidified what we thought we were going to get. But it's just so, it's so interesting because you guys, did you watch this? You watched this on HBO Gabriel. You didn't go into a theater and watch it. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yes, HBO Gabriel. That's his name. You for have to pay movie. extra for that. <laughs> yeah, it's literally, I watched this at, I started at 1130 at night, last Ooh. night. <laughs> and... 30 minutes in, I was like, this has to be camp. And then by the time you get into the matrixy fight scene with, you know, all the police officers in the, in the precinct, it's like this, yes, this has to be because the CGI is too terrible for it to not be anything, but just like a campy here we are type type situation. But along with the camp, they did try to hit on some mental issues and human behavior things. Did wait, they before, ever? Wait, 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 wait. Before we get into that, I do want to say, uh, while we're talking about the trailer, because we probably won't come back to that. Mm-hmm. Did, did the trailer set poor expectations in terms of like tone? Absolutely. But without the trailer doing that, the, the, the twist wouldn't hit as much. Like the fact that I had no idea going into this, what this was really about, like really helped the twist hit. But, but then I had to, but again, expectation wise, I had to figure out the tone for myself and that took too long of a time for me to enjoy it my first time through. And I will definitely be not yet, but like at some point I would definitely love to rewatch this, like having forgotten the details, knowing the twist, but also like knowing what tone I'm getting when I go into it, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Sorry. So, no, no, no. That's that's great because it really was like the trailer setting you up for what you thought it would be, and then it's not. Mm-hmm. Wait, how crazy was that twist? Like, I know <laughs> we've said it a million times, but like, that was crazy. Like, <clears throat> they also like kind of didn't give you that many like physical clues. Like, like Mm-mm. when they obviously they push your head, but like, like her body was fine every morning that she woke up. Like mm-hmm. she's twisting and turning. Like my rotator cuffs would hurt so much. Like, I didn't work out yesterday. I didn't work out yesterday. Like why is like, like, you know, like why is my like, body sore? Yes. The uh-huh. only thing, the only thing I can think of is that Gabriel was messing with her pain receptors, but like she was fake, I guess. I don't know. Oh my God. Oh man. <laughs> That twist was crazy. And that is nothing I've seen before. And that's, I think, why I appreciated it, too. Like, sure. I, 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 this was like, oh, man, what a crazy... And, like, the title, Malignant, like, wild. What, like, 
Every- I mean, that that was the moment where I was like, oh, we should have known. Like, we should. Like, they were so. It was like the, the breadcrumbs that they Bond. dropped are like so. <laughs> Yes. It's so obvious. They say cut out the cancer. They're literally talking about cancer. The movie title is malignant. Like they they are like throwing it in your face, but then also trying to like misdirect us. And it's it's crazy. I mean, I do. I, I would. I know we're talking about like the twist, but like not only was that twist wild, but like that intersecting with the scene in the jail was like. I mean, I don't remember the last time I've seen anything like that in a horror movie. It was it was insane. Um, like all of the kills were just like it, it, that. Like it felt like the Matrix, truly. Like I don't know how else to describe it. It was it was just like it was just so. I'm like literally speechless so, so because in it's the so article, wild. So in the article, James Wan said he didn't know how he was going to do this. Like, he didn't know if he was going to have to film it and, like, rewind everything. He didn't know if he was going to have to, like, do special effects for the Gabriel effect. Um, and it turns out that, like, they found this absolutely... Her, her name is Marina uh, uh, Mazepa, M-A-Z-E-P-A, as the physical performer for Gabriel. And she did everything without special effects. She learned all the choreography backwards, like, all of that stuff... I mean, she had a prosthetic on the back of her head or on the front mm-hmm. of her head or wherever it would go. Uh, close-ups were CG and all that stuff. But like, like he, it, it, that is crazy. What Wait, did we just watch? She was like a contortionist. Yes. Apparently she's a contortionist dancer act from season 14 of America's Got Talent. Work. What? Listen, also, <laughs> need, need that. Huge shout out to our girl McKenna Grace, who's in everything and is a spectacular actress. Yes, I love her. Mm-hmm. Um, she was, uh, yeah. I mean, but like, but like, what? All the backwards, like, I literally because I was like, why is this person like walking kind of backwards? <laughs> Brian did an excellent impression of uh, walking backwards, fighting backwards. Oh gosh, uh, yes, so many things. Twist is great. But is the mental health aspect of it great, Jamie? <laughs> oh, God. I, oh, my God. Um, I don't even know what to say. I mean, okay, so things I think are interesting are the, like, lo- like she doesn't remember her childhood partially because they, I think, did hypnotherapy on her to not remember um, as like part of the treatment. I don't know. I don't know if I fully buy into that. However, I do. Hypnotherapy is not something that I practice and I'm not super familiar with it. I don't know if it can like fully change, like make you forget things, but I do know that it can help people remember things. So like that tracks. So like when they, when they get that hypnotherapist to try to help her uncover things, um, the, the thing that comes like, you know, sometimes there's a lot of stigma at, I mean, there's stigma in mental health anyway, but sometimes there's stigma, I think around hypnotherapy and that, or sometimes even regular therapy, but like for folks who folks with trauma, sometimes like lose memory. Um, like that makes a lot of sense too. that tracks, um, you know, trauma affects our brains in like a wild number of ways. It's like, you know, 
rewiring some of the brain functions. So like sometimes after trauma, like we can't remember things or we start to piece it together out of order. We're not like getting our memory back, like in the order of how the trauma occurred, um, which is also interesting, especially in like criminal justice or like if you are a survivor of a crime um, that was particularly traumatic, you know, sometimes the process of like having to report it to the police can be incredibly difficult because you don't actually remember it in the way that they're asked. They're asking for a linear story of what happened. And that might not be how you are recalling that information. Um, and sometimes it could be re-traumatizing to be, um, you know, asked questions in certain ways. And there are like, there are trainings and other ways to, um, to conduct interviews that are trauma informed. Um, so there is that. So, you know, here's hoping. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but what I was going to say is that like, sometimes there's stigma around um, like implanting false memories um, mm. or like people, yeah, like people, there's a lot of like suggestibility within that space. And so um, like sometimes I've read about like accusations of people that like they think certain things happen that didn't really happen. But I think as the film is trying to like explore hypnotherapy um, that it does track and like it, it makes sense that she was able to like recall this information, especially because there was elements of it that surface that we see. So like she uh, there's one part where I think she's in the bathroom and, mm -hmm. and, and she sees Gabriel there and then she calls him by name um, because he's like taunting her and she's not totally sure where that came from. Like she, she remembers p bits and pieces again, that, that does track um, that like, it's kind of coming to the surface, um, but like, doesn't fully know like why, or like, who is Gabriel? Like, is it just a, a voice that I heard or like, what is it? So like the fact that she can't remember like where he was, um, or like that he's attached to her, mm -hmm. that seemed weird. But, um, the fact that like there's pieces coming back that she's still confused about, like, that's actually, that's not that far off from, from reality. So, um, yeah. No, so yeah, I, I, that's interesting. That literally was the two questions that I was going to, both first two questions I was going to ask you was like, is hypnotherapy a thing? You got it. And then about why memories become even become suppressed. And you were talking about just different traumas and, and how people can just forget things in little. And that also, and you talking about that led me to believe the only really clue that they give you about where Gabriel is, is that when she does wake up after the moments, she has blood on her mm -hmm. um, yeah, head. Yeah, on the pillow and her head. Yeah, on the yeah. pillow and everything because he like went back inside of, you know, whatever of her brain, however that mm -hmm. works. And he transforms. Uh, but another interesting thing is because at first people are talking about like children and imaginary Wait, friends. The twist was a parasitic twin. That is wild. <laughs> We're just every minute we'll just say parasitic twin. Twist. Parasitic. Uh, uh, but in before we knew it was a parasitic <laughs> twin. They thought it was an imaginary friend. Mm -hmm. And by the time she gets adopted, it's what, eight or nine, I think is what I, I believe. And she's still having these conversations. So they're talking about, so can you just talk about like why children come up with imaginary friends? Uh, and at what age do they kind of go away? Because eight or nine, 
I don't know. That kind of seems like on the other side of, of that, because you're like going into school and you're having like, you know, at least you're around, even if you don't have like friends at school, you're around people your age. So I don't know if you can speak a little bit about that. Yeah. I mean, I think that there's, um, in terms of like, uh, oh my God, what am I thinking of? Um, like child development theories, mm-hmm. um, that like for the most part, there isn't anything, you know, of concern if a child has an imaginary friend. I think like there's some acting out that is happening, um, like playing out their understanding of certain things, um, modeling social interactions that, that they've seen. Um, and yeah, like in terms of, I guess, like what, is deemed like appropriate or, um, like developmentally. Okay. Um, I think that's hard. Like there's so many, we talk about like milestones or like, I'm sure parents are super familiar with milestones because like, that's kind of them going to the doctor and like figuring out kind of like where their kid is developing is like basically the stages of, of development that are happening. But milestones are also tricky because like the gap is so, to my understanding, I am not a parent nor a doctor, um, but like the gaps are so big. So like, you know, it, it could be fine for like an eight or nine year old to have an imaginary friend. Um, it could be fine maybe for like a 12 year old to have an imaginary friend. I think it depends on like the context and like what else is going on. Cause I think individual milestones with probably many exceptions, like aren't necessarily indicative of something like, you know, concerning or like psychologically harmful, but I'm sure like with the context of like, her also being kind of <laughs> murdery and uh, <laughs> yeah, like all of that stuff. Um, you know, I mean like the point where like, where it is, um, what's her face, McKenna Grace. And, um, she's in the house and like, they're celebrating the birthday and she like goes to cut the cake, but it's actually the mom's pregnant belly. Like that would be terrifying with, I mean, that's terrifying in and of itself. Plus you have the imaginary friend and she's saying the imaginary friends telling her to do this. Like that would be scary. And like, maybe you'd want to talk to a medical and mental health professional to see like, okay, like where's the voice coming from? Is it, are you hearing it inside right. of your head? Are you hearing it outside of you? Does it sound like it's coming from your own voice or is it like a different voice? Um, have you ever seen this, this entity or like, is there no like visual thing associated with it? You're just hearing it. Um, or are you seeing other things? Cause it's clear that like he has some kind of control over what she can see. Like the whole movie, she's, she's physically present at all of the murders, but she doesn't actually think that she's there like physically. Um, and so like Gabriel is able, able to like kind of trap her in this like weird nightmare world where she thinks she's so like, is that it's like both real and not real in a way because he's distorting the way that she's seeing things. So like, you know, that too potentially is like something that they would, they would evaluate. Like, are you having any, visual hallucinations like are you seeing things that maybe other people aren't seeing and things like that um to kind of like suss out what might be going on right and in and then just going down that rabbit hole so if a patient is saying 
that they are having visions like how do you even begin to try and treat that, especially if the visions that they're seeing are like horrific things. It's not like they're, you know, seeing other things or memories from the past or, you know, whatever the case may be, but literally just horror things in time. How do you, what, where would you even start to help them? Yeah. I think that depends too on like, are they actively at risk of like hurting themselves or others? Um, because that then is like, you know, crisis, possibly like hospitalizing someone. Um, if somebody like, you know, if somebody maybe is presenting with symptoms of like schizophrenia, um, there are some folks who like are diagnosed with schizophrenia or have those symptoms and like, you know, are able to be medicated and like live their lives and, and like be like, see a therapist outpatient, like they don't need to be hospitalized and like, it's totally fine. And for other folks, like that's a lot more challenging and, and maybe they have less support, less resources, um, to be able to like manage and cope and might need that like higher level of care, whether it is, there's like a whole hierarchy of like different mental health services you can get to like, you know, at the, baseline is, or at, not the baseline, but like uh, the lowest level of care would be just like going to see a therapist, like once a week, every other week, something like that. And then the highest level would be like to be hospitalized. And there's stuff in between where it's not necessarily like living in a hospital or living in some kind of facility, but you're able, but you'd go at like a much higher intensity. So like, it definitely depends on, you know, how, how much are these like these things that you're experiencing interfering with your ability to function? Is it like, are you actively going to like hurt? Are they telling you to hurt yourself? Are they telling you to hurt other people? And if so, and like, they're not able to be managed, then like maybe like you might be at risk of needing to be hospitalized. So I think that those are like some of the, the things that they're like evaluating. And then, yeah, based on like, if you feel like you can cope and manage, if you are open to medication to like help manage, although like some of those medications can also have like a lot of very extreme side effects. So there's definitely things that come at a cost, but I think, you know, people, people feeling like they're empowered to make those choices for themselves if they feel like they're able to. And, and again, like sometimes maybe folks don't feel like they're able to, or like these symptoms are like so intense that it's like really difficult for them to make those decisions. So many things. And this is why we need so, (laughs) we need more healthcare mental workers (laughs) in the field because there's just so many different levels of these things. And this movie only touches on the surface of the possibilities of dealing with someone who's experiencing, uh, obviously repressed memories and, and all of the trauma of their youth and parasitic twins. Plus didn't Gabriel like kill everyone in that hospital? So like no one works there anymore. Also that. <laughs> so with with that, and this is my last thing about like just mental health, and this is for uh, everybody. With this movie being camp, now that we know that it's camp, do you think that it's trying to make a statement with mental health, or do you think that the mental health is just something added to create the story of the real, you know, protagonist, the parasitic twin in this movie? What do you feel? I I don't. No. I mean, I'm like, like I said, I think I'm still honestly like think I'm thinking about this movie a lot and like processing it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I think it's trying to say anything about 
mental health or, or repressed memories. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that was more of like a device where it's really just like emphasizing the twist and like the twist being so wild. Um, and it just, yeah, I, I don't yeah. know. I don't know if, it, if James Wan like has a particular statement on, on the like mental health element per se. I think it's like a tool to be able to like use, to get to his like big reveal, which was like very effective and then like, and then it's like, oh, this is like, it was really to help build it up. But I don't know if there's anything necessarily to say about like the repressed memories or the trauma or like any of that stuff. Okay. Brian, do you have any thoughts about that? I don't think it's trying to say anything about mental health. I think that it's trying to say something about family. I and mean, I think it's trying to, because the last line, it is like, but you're my real sister or something like mm-hmm. that. I forget what it is. Yeah. It's like, the, like that last sequence, like about like, the reason that she was able to save her sister is one, she used her miscarriage as a superpower. Like <laughs> she was like, you know, like, like that was weird. That was just like, she got up like, like Captain Marvel where it was like, don't forget he killed your child. And then she like right. gets up like that Captain Marvel, like stand up where she like <laughs> keeps brushing herself off like woman power. It was really weird. Um, also we've watched two movies, TV shows recently where like miscarriages were used to like fuel the, the, the women. But um, <laughs> yes. I thought that was a little weird and like off putting. And then maybe it's, I don't know, but I do think that <coughs> if this movie was trying to say anything, it was about like, the bonds of family and the strength of family and who actually is your family versus like who isn't. Um, mm. So that, that's what, that's what I would, 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 would venture to guess. I think all the mental health stuff, um, it was just for plot purposes for the twist and stuff like that. Um, I, I, excuse me. I really, Oh, excuse me again. I really do think that, uh, sorry, I'm drinking this beautiful Philadelphia Oktoberfest from Dock Street Brewery. Um, <laughs> But I, I do think that I, it was more about family than it was about anything else. Okay. I mean, that all makes sense. I agree with you all. But, you know, real star of the show. Just Gabriel. Get, get into it. With the Matrix moves. And, and talk about the wardrobe. I mean, it's like the coat and the gloves just ready for action. It's Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> do you have that? something to say about the outfit? <laughs> I just remembered a scene in the movie that I had repressed, I guess. And then I, <laughs> I, I remembered it. But we'll, we'll get to there when we talk about our favorite parts and stuff. Um, I really enjoyed the outfits. I thought that the trench coat was cool. I thought the hat. Did they give her a hat? Am I imagining the hat? Uh, was there a hat? <laughs> I don't remember the gloves. Color. Yeah, I just remember the gloves. I don't think there was... The oh hat. my god Maybe. the face through the hair was yeah. like so like, <laughs> disturbing like and yeah it was it was crazy <laughs> oh my god uh yeah I definitely had like when I the f- first started watching it in the first couple of minutes like human behavior wise things I was like y'all there are doors opening and like things happening by themselves and you're just going after the noise. Like this is ridiculous. And I also was just, I just have to say, and then we can go on to like our favorite parts or whatever. But the part that just made me yell at the screen was when the sister drove down to the abandoned hospital <laughs> oh, yeah. in the middle of the night, 
by herself to investigate, but then nothing even happened Mm -hmm. there. It was like setting you up for something and then nothing happens. And I was upset. I I do want to say that she was very close to it and it was like middle of the day and she pulls up and it's nighttime. So (laughs) I don't know how slowly she was driving or stuff like that, but. But also, if you knew that it was going to take you a long time, I mean, this is, they have cell phones and GPSs, human behavior thing. If you knew that you were going to get there by the time the sun went down, why would you go by yourself? Why would you go by yourself in the first place? But if you knew that it was oh. dark outside, why? <sighs> uh, just to be clear, uh, Gabriel was not wearing a hat in the images that I am looking at. Um, I don't know why I put Gabriel in a big hat. Um, <laughs> Carmen San Diego with the coat yeah. and... That's what it was. That's what it yeah, was. maybe I'm thinking that Gabriel was Carmen San Diego. <laughs> because where in the world she's in your brain, <laughs> in your brain the whole time, all time. Fantastic, uh, great. So Brian, do you want to go ahead and mention what? Because <laughs> you were very excited about that. Oh, I, I'm just remembering that awesome part of the movie where the woman trying to escape who ends up being the biological mother falls through the roof and it's their living room yes oh yeah that was wild that was awesome that was <laughs> that was actually one of my favorite like twists of the movie because uh, like that attic didn't feel like that house's attic and i'm sure that was done on purpose but like mm-hmm. then she falls through the roof and she's there and everyone's like what i love that because i was also the same way i also was like what <laughs> Yeah, I enjoyed that. Yes. And you do have little, even though there wasn't any jump scares, there are little like James Wanisms of like first person view walking through the house. Totally. And, you know, like shadowed figures and such that just kind of still put you in the spooky world, but there was no like, boo, that happened. So, yes. It was cute. Agreed. <laughs> Great. Jamie, do you have a favorite part of the movie? Um, I mean, I think it has to be the, the, the twist part, but like that scene in the jail, but I do want to say in the, in the Wikipedia, it describes, uh, the part it, well, it describes Gabriel taking control, but it says someone wrote, um, Gabriel's face emerges from the back of Madison's skull and operates her body backwards when he takes control, explaining the killer's unnatural movements and the upside down fingerprints at his crime scenes. Upside down fingerprints. A thing. It's a fingerprint. Can't you just turn it around? Is it ever really upside down? What does that even mean? What does that mean? That, oh my god. Was that even a? Was that even in the movie in Upside Down? I have no idea, but the fact that somebody put that in here, I'm going to talk about it. Well, it was because they were saying it was an upside down fingerprint and they thought that the killer was like, they were like, well, the killer wasn't on the ceiling, hanging from the ceiling to kill whoever. Because I think it was when the husband was first killed and how his neck was cracked and they were checking those fingerprints on him. And it seemed like the attacker came from above. And I think it was just a misinterpretation to say upside down fingerprint. But there was a comment made in the movie that they're like, well, the killer wasn't hanging from the ceiling to kill this person. So that's out of the picture. But- boy, oh boy. What is that? Like, God, I just, um, I'm still and, processing. I mean, 
And that's also a good thing because there are movies that you can instantly forget about and there are ones that you have to just kind of process all the way through. And maybe that was also the point. Yeah, I, I'll definitely never forget this. <laughs> going to rate high on my shakes. On your shake list. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, any uh, last thoughts about the movie in general besides Parasitic Twin? I really think I like this movie a lot more than we talked about it. And I really wish my expectations had been different because this was a wild, fun romp that I couldn't get into because I was really expecting something Conjuring-ish or Insidious-ish. And I feel like that really took me out of enjoying this. But like my conversations about this with us today, with other friends who have seen this, have just been so enjoyable. And this horror movie brought me so much joy in retrospect. Like, I feel like, like we've watched things like hereditary we've watched things like 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 the conjuring movies we've watched like uh like, like dog the lodge dog tooth we've yeah. watched so many of these like serious thinking type movies and don't get we watched campy stuff like ready or not and stuff like that but like and and candy man is trying to be heavy i feel like we've watched so many heavy movies lately that like and then when, when you think you're going to watch a James Wan movie, you're expecting something a little bit along those lines. And then this was just like a wild, twisty romp with a parasitic twin named Gabriel on HBO Gabriel. And like, <laughs> I, I just like, I really wish, I wish I could watch this again for the first time and just like watch it like I'm in a movie theater with like a lot of rambunctious people. You know mm. what I mean? Like, like this was just so wild. And I wish I had, I wish I didn't have to like, get past my own mental blockers to enjoy this movie the way that it should have been enjoyed. And Mm -hmm. I, 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 so that's, that's something that I'll say that I, uh, that definitely um, got to me. Yeah. This is called classic in the making for sure. (coughs) Yeah. All all I'm thinking about is like, you know, they set it up for sequels. Is this going to become the next chain like where do we go from here like what what could they possibly do like the twist is like we have I mean I guess it makes me think of Saw right like huge huge reveal at the end they but they kept it going so you know I imagine that they'll figure out the way I'm just like my brain is totally empty I can't even think about what they could possibly do to continue this who else there's no one left for Gabriel to kill unless like I don't know who life finds left. Life. Yeah, life does Is find it, a way. Or how many other parasitic it, twins are going to be like discovered? That's true. Well, um, Gabriel's a, a an angel, right? Yes. Yeah. He's the angel of twins. He's <laughs> <laughs> the trumpet. He is the well. He also is the angel that came to Mary to let her know that she was pregnant with the mm-hmm. Messiah. So. Oh. Oh, no. <laughs> he's cool. no, twisty. I mean, pregnancy. <laughs> yeah. Do you think? Do you think Gabriel plays the trumpet backwards? <laughs> What's that look like? Sucking in the trumpet? Well, no. You'd still blow, I guess. <clears throat> I'm sure you just put but upside you, down fingerprints. It'd, it'd be hard to like do the trumpet unless you just played it upside down and not backwards. Mm. Oh, that could be. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, happened. <laughs> Great. Are we going to rate these things? Do some uh, Rotten Tomatoes? Let's do, uh, 
Let's do Rotten Tomatoes. Let's do Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. It's the Rotten Tomatoes game. <laughs> okay. What do you think the Rotten Tomatoes is on this one? I feel like people, uh, like all of us, thought this was going to be serious. So when they saw it, I don't know if they thought it was campy. So I'm going to give it a 60. Hmm. Jamie? I'm going to give it a 74. Uh, this movie has a 76. Wow. Ah! It is, it is certified, certified fresh, but there are two consensuses. There's mm-hmm. the critics' consensus, and then there's the audience says. Audience right. probably hated what, it. So the audience score is 52%. Hmm. So... Which actually tracks. So I'll read that one first. Love it or hate it, and there isn't much in between. Malignant is one horror movie that takes risks and is willing to get weird. Fair. Yeah. Which Fair makes enough. sense it's 52 because you're either rating it a 10 or like a hundred. Mm-hmm. Right. All right. All right. So then the critics' consensus is although malignant isn't particularly scary. Director James Wan's return to horror contains plenty of gory thrills and a memorably bonkers twist. Yeah. Hmm. Um, yeah. Remember that the twist is crazy. Wait, wait, I did um, want to ask, what did y'all, because you said you had ideas of what was happening. What did you think was happening in the, in the movie before you got to the twist? Uh, like, how did you think everything was operating? We definitely thought it was her. We did not think it was her at a point because her head was bleeding. And then we were trying to think of just like, we didn't think that like her twin was coming out of her head. We thought her twin was like control, was controlling her. Like we did think that there was something crazy, but then like, <clears throat> and then they showed that, that one where that was like the twin was like, Meh! and like, in the, before they just did this. It was more T-Rexy. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, and then we put it all together, but we, we knew she was doing it. Um, but we just couldn't figure out like um, how she was doing. Like we couldn't figure out all those details because like because her parasitic twin was doing it, which it, mm-hmm. which was wild. Um, we just or or we were also thinking that like we also were thinking like maybe her twin survived and her twin was doing everything, but they're like psychically linked. Because we were thinking, like, maybe that was it. It was just, like, a twin situation. Yeah. Um, and then, like, the, the mother, the, the biological mother would have to get involved somehow to, like, bring them together. And she'd have to, like, defeat her dark side, which kind of happened. But we didn't think it would happen, like, because it was inside of her head. Like, actually attached. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay. We were, but, yeah, totally. Okay. Did they, uh, I just thought of something. Did they ever explain how Gabriel was able to like talk through the radio? Mm-mm. Like no. through the phones and radios and like electronics. No. Cool. I was just, I was just curious. Mm. That just, no. they just never, <laughs> they just yeah, never resolved that. Well, yeah. did he have a, ra- a radio? Did he, ever, did he, in the attic, didn't he have like a radio? Maybe he was like, but also how but he was like calling her on the phone like how i don't i don't know i don't remember yeah insane i did like i i thought her brain overcoming his brain like at the end 
to like make him think something else was happening. Like that, that to me, that was very more Flanagan than Juan. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like there was like very Oculus, like I like what's real, what isn't type of situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, but then it was a parasitic twin HBO Gabriel. <laughs> um, all right, let's, should we do the four S's? Yes. Mm-hmm. Skull, scare, and suggestions. The talking horns, four S's. <laughs> Uh, as we all know, the four S's are skulls, scares, shakes, and suggestions. Um, let us start with uh, Nikisha. Let's start with you on skulls. Uh, mental health, um, uh, human behavior, um, parasitic twins. <laughs> I think even though it wasn't trying to make a statement about it, the fact that it was included a lot and was, like Jamie said, uh, uh, a device used to help carry the story along. I'll give it a six. For skulls. All right. Jamie? Yeah, I think I'll give it a five um, because of like the use of, you know, childhood trauma, repressed memories, hypnotherapy. Um, I thought that part was interesting. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I'll go with five uh, because like it presents interesting ideas. It doesn't necessarily do it like what actually happens, not that like the, what would happen happened. So I'll go to five for like getting us halfway there by presenting these issues and then just doing whatever they want with them. Uh, scares. Uh, what are you thinking on scares? Nikisha. I'll give it a two only because there were some moments of tension that were built up, but then just nothing happened or what mm. did happen wasn't a jump scare. So two for me for the scares. Jamie. Yeah, I think I would also give it a two because um, I think in the beginning I have a lot of tension and then I was like, I don't think I'm afraid of this movie anymore. Um, but I was like, you know, again, surprised by the, the one stabby that really like surprised me. And then I was like, oh, this is just like wild was the the one in the bed um, with like oh, the yes. scissor thing or it wasn't a scissor. It mm. was like the trophy thing, but that one was just like very gory. And that one like kind of caught me off guard. Um, but still, I don't think it's worth increasing the score that much. Sure. <laughs> uh, I'm also giving it a two for the same reasons. Um, shakes. Um, I'll give it a four. It's kooky. I've had other friends who have been waiting for me to watch this so that they could like also talk to me about it like days later. So it is something that you would want to like keep with you and like share with other people in the horror like realm specifically, (laughs) but I wouldn't like be thinking about this as a suggestion to give to someone who's not, who wouldn't be in the know, you know, parasitic twins. So um me yeah um I think I'm gonna give it a six because I can't stop thinking about it like I just keep thinking about the twist and like how unique it is um and how he was actually able to like pull this off how different it is from everything else um like what he was trying to do, like all these things keep popping back up. And I'm just like, I am really glad that I saw this movie at some point. I I think I want to watch it again. Like I'm still, it's just, I can't like, I can't get rid of it. 
<laughs> just like it's yeah. it's in the back of my head. Someone might want to check back there. <laughs> yeah, this movie's in the back of my head too. I'm going to give it a six um, because like same, honestly, same exact reasons. I would watch it again. Do I think it's great? I mean, remember it? No. Do I think that it is like something that I just like literally can't stop thinking about the twist and how wild it was? Yeah, totally. Like I, it took me a while to just, the reason this movie works is because James Wan directed it. And mm. I think that is really impressive that like in somebody else's hands, this like, this is a bomb of a film. For sure. Um, cool. Uh, let's go with uh, suggestions. Mostly because you mentioned this in the other uh, podcast. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, yes. And then you also said it in this one, uh, Oculus. Just because mm. the... You know, seeing but not seeing what you think you're seeing type situation. Uh, kind of also the same with like Gerald's game in that kind of like sure. mind fuckery way. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, totally. So, yeah. Jamie? Um, so, like I said, I already spoiled one, but. Per usual, I'm coming in with a list. So, um, Dead Silence, um, to start for all the reasons I said earlier. Um, also, Drag Me to Hell. I mean, we started talking about Sam Raimi earlier. Um, like, that's also a really, like, <laughs> aggressively wild, gory movie with an interesting premise and then just, like, pushes the envelope like I think this one does. Um, and the last one I want to suggest is, um, Unsane, which I think I saw, I'm like 90% sure that I saw that movie, but maybe I too am Unsane and can't quite remember, but just kind of like about a woman who's like being gaslit a bit. Um, and, and it just, I feel like it's similar in that, like, you know, the memory thing, it's like, can we really trust this, this person and like trust her narrative? Because like, there's pieces of information that maybe like she doesn't have or doesn't know and, and is confused and like what's really going on. Um, so that's my last suggestion. Cool. Um, I have two. One is don't look now. Um, that is more serious. It's about, you know, loss and uh, dealing with loss um, mm-hmm. um, of a child, uh, which kind of this deals with a little bit throughout um, and then the both twists are fucking nuts. Um, so that's one. And then uh, my other one is one of the greats, The Boy. Um, <laughs> wow. If you, know my, if you know my good man Brahms, uh, <laughs> that's a wild film. Uh, <laughs> hashtag Brahms. That movie is a, that is a wild film. It's a great uh, suggestion. And really- if you liked this one, Watch that boy. And then watch Brahms 2, the boy. Don't watch Brahms 2. It undoes everything that makes the boy actually an entertaining movie. The boy 2 is not good. There's domestic violence. There's uh, a wild (laughs) twist. saying that like, There's a boy. His name is Brahms. Uh, I will say I'm very tired of, like, DV is now, like, the new sexual assault trope. And like I'm getting tired of it, and I would like them to pivot off of this now. Sure, I'm like fair. over it. True life. Um, yeah, Bra- the boy, man, Brahms. 
<laughs> the boy man. <laughs> yeah. Like if I were going to like, like if there's like, who would you want to have dinner with from horror movies? I'd be like, uh, it'd be me, Gabriel and Brahms. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, wait. But Gabriel has to be attached to you. Like he can't be a separate entity. Oh no. I would want Gabriel. <laughs> I want to watch Gabriel try and eat. Oh. <laughs> Use utensils. Oh, oh. <laughs> on that note, <laughs> thank you guys for listening to this fabulous episode of Malignant. You can follow us at Talk Horror Pod on Instagram and Twitter. We mm-hmm. release episodes every Thursday. And while well, I'm stealing your stuff, Brian, where can I listen to us? <laughs> oh, no, that's fine. Uh, you can find us on things like Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Uh, rate and review us there. Five stars, please. And um, thank you. And also check out, if you haven't already, Midnight Mass in general. We were raving about it. If you don't have anyone to talk to about it, just listen to our podcast on it. It's a great time. And I'll end with the fabulous quotes that Jamie quoted at the beginning. It's time to cut out the cancer. <laughs> <laughs> that was excellent thank you hey, thank you guys <laughs>